0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua looking. Flips it down,
1: the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away? All the hit of that man. To
0: help
2: you soon. Jump
0: on his bandwagon, Waddle. Waddle to a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking steps up. Fires touchdown. It. It's Waddle. His sixth six touchdown pass touchdown of against. the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now.
1: we check your pulse if you're not?
2: What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network, covering your team your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, that's it. Training camp is over, and we have the last day of notes for you guys here from a fun practice that concluded with some competitive one-on-ones after three straight touchdown passes from quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. I'll tell you about each of those, all the breakdowns from the day, and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, cornerback Keon Crossan, defensive tackle Raekwon Davis, and linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. My name is Drive Time Podcast. Tomorrow on the show, I'm going to do my 10 overall takeaways from camp and get you ready for the Jacksonville game with Juice OJ McDuffie. But today we have more camp to cover, including some roster news. A.J. Johnson, Alexander Johnson, if you want to look him up and try to find his name. I, I've always known him as A.J. Johnson. Couldn't find him by that name, but apparently it's Alexander Johnson as far as Google is concerned. But, you know, it's kind of funny. Ben Solak from The Ringer is out at camp today, and he asked me, who are they going to go with at Mike when they need some size in that position? Because, you know, both Jerome Baker and David Long are not the biggest linebackers, and same with Duke Riley and Channing Tyndall. And he was just, as he was asking that, the Johnson news came across the wire. And Johnson manned the Mike position in Denver under Vic Fangio previously. And we'll see what his role winds up being here as he works to get acclimated into this defense that he knows well. But he's been an accomplished player in this system, a true B gap to B gap thumper, which is a lot what Roberts did last year. Six foot two, 245 pounds, which for comparison's sake, E Rob was 6'1, 238 a year ago. Johnson's done a fantastic job in his career against the run with his tackling from day one has been really sharp. He's been a positive graded tackler in terms of very few missed tackles in his career. His first year in 2019 after going undrafted in 2018 and not getting any snaps that rookie season, if you want to call it that he played 731 snaps with 254 coming against the run and he made 33 run stops that year. Then he made a massive jump to 58 run stops playing over a thousand snaps With 411 of those coming against the run. So this is an experienced player. This is a player that you can get to defeat blocks in a variety of fashions. But when you go that light box that we know that Coach Fangio loves to call, he's got the thump to take on blockers and not have any issues finding the backs when teams want to try to block him out with that big center or guard climbing up to that second level. In total, 112 career run stops on 797 rundown snaps. That's very effective and very efficient. He's played over 1,000 coverage snaps. He's rushed the quarterback 289 times with 40 pressures in his career. So I think it's a role that he fits here. It gives you more depth and obviously some special teams as well. I previously liked Miami's depth here more than I've heard most with Channing Tindall, I think, having a nice second camp and Duke Riley being a very accomplished, you know, depth and special teamer throughout the course of his career and then obviously Andrew Van Geekle getting cross training but this just makes it even more so and some counting stats for housekeeping purposes played 39 career games with 34 starts with four years of of play in Denver 2018 through 21 and then the last year in Seattle 2022 he's recorded 252 career tackles four and a half sacks one pick eight passes defensed and he has four forced fumbles and two recoveries. The Dolphins also, in a coinciding move, waived linebacker Mike Rose, who had a cup of coffee here for a couple of weeks, and also waived injured safety Miles Dorn. So one open roster spot there as we record this podcast late on a Thursday afternoon. Let's go ahead and start the camp report today with some sound from head coach Mike McDaniel as he talks about his quarterback and the offseason two ahead in
1: 2023. God, I was, I was starting to get annoyed. I was hoping... For the opportunity to talk about um, if I understand your question correctly, uh how to his off season's been. And you know what? Um I can say that I can say hard facts that I've seen um with my own eyes. And it it's it's been as it's top five on the team in terms of, you know, we've had a lot of guys really step their game up. Um and and you wanna talk about somebody that's committed to um, doing what he's doing for the right reasons. You know, I, I've he, he was already invested um, before this year, but then, you know, taking a bunch of things that uh, have happened, you know, he, he really put an onus on controlling what he could control. So you want to talk about every metric that, um, that Dave Paloca and his strength staff um, really track, which is pretty much everything, I mean, to the, to the degree of blinks, um, every metric of strength, uh, that, that is measured. He's, um, you know, he's, he's shattered his previous highs. Um, and some, uh, in, in some instances, he's, he's almost twice as strong with, with things. And that's been a daily commitment, um, that he hasn't wavered from, uh, his, he's taken his, uh, nutrition to, to another level he's taken his commitment to um what he's trying to do and really you know thought outside the box and really really worked at it so um i couldn't be happier with uh the work that he's put in and that uh, what i've actually viewed from my own eyes um it's it's every basically you're happy for guys as a coach when you can see in the present that um down the road they're going to have no regrets meaning the results are what the results are but you know that without um any shade of gray that you've put your best foot forward uh, and he really he really has and and i think his uh his teammates would agree Um, we are getting the absolute best version of Tua that's existed
2: where have you heard that before? Might be this podcast. Pretty good stuff from Coach. I want to save some stuff for the podcast tomorrow because one of my 10 camp takeaways is about the physical improvements we've seen from Tua from a camp, from camp a year ago or even two years ago or three years ago. But I thought it was worth starting the podcast by your leader on the coaching staff or in the organization talking about the leader in the locker room amongst the players and the example that he sets by the way he approaches the profession and his career. I mentioned I thought Tua was sharp yesterday, getting the ball to the backs quickly in the short passing game. I thought he was even better today. It was a lot of high red zone, lots of situational football, some drives that began on the periphery of the red zone with a short clock and minimal timeouts and kind of trying to get operation things squared away, getting the ball snapped quickly, getting it out of the huddle, and uh, getting to the line of scrimmage after completions and and tackled inbounds. But they finished the day with some mid-red zone work, and Tua was just painting the practice field with tutties. The best throw of the day I thought was a back shoulder ball to Tyreek Hill working against all-pro cornerback Xavier Howard. This was after Tua had brought them down to the mid-red zone on a drive with 35 seconds to play from the plus 30-yard line with completions to Hill. And Hill, that's Tyreek and Julian, Tua took a snap and used the league fastest release to pinpoint one on the back shoulder. He had a couple of throws in that area of the field today where catch rock, throw balls out, and by the time the receiver finishes his route, the ball meets him there. But Tyreek on this rep sold X upfield to the back pylon, and then by the time he shut things down, the ball's right there on that back shoulder, just has to reach back and grab it, and he secures it for a touchdown. The last three touchdowns were two different players with different types of throws. Two, one, a back pylon touch pass to Chosen, and you know what? He probably didn't catch it, but it was a really gorgeous grab. Just didn't quite get the feet down in bounds. X pointed to the sideline, saying he didn't make it in, but I don't really care. Like, there was debate about it in the stands among the media. I really don't care if it's three inches out of bounds. You still get the rep on tape and see how good of a play it was. And this was that. And this was after Tua had hit chosen on three straight passes on slants to basically march them from midfield down to the red zone. But then they started to repeat the plays from the red zone. So you get those multiple touchdown stacks up stacked up there. The first First was to Berrios on a shot to the perimeter outside where he made a little move and found the front pylon with run after the catch. This dude has such a weird knack, not not weird, but a a positive knack for finding the pylon or the sticks. He just his first step forward after the ball, you know, hits the jersey and he secures it for the catch, he just kind of like jitterbugs towards, you know, the correct goal line. And it's impressive to watch, especially in an era where so many guys catch the ball and run backwards. But He caught touchdowns a lot today. He caught the one I just mentioned and then earlier from both Tua and Mike White in that first red zone session. And the third touchdown from Tua late in practice was a shot between two defenders to Cedric Wilson, and that was the final horn of training camp. So a really sharp day from Tua. He had a throw to Eric Ezukama that reminded me of the throw to Savan Ahmed Saturday in Houston. That upfield shoulder where... You know it happens so fast, especially when you're running to the boundary, the short side of the field. You only have what is that? I mean, the field's 53 yards wide, so you have like 20 yards to work with. You better throw that ball quick if you don't want to put your receiver out of bounds or slow him down into a tackle. And I watched the J.T. O'Sullivan, the the quarterback school breakdown, and he really hammered home the point of how important it is for the location of that throw to lead the receiver into the the run after the catch. And I think that we get a little numb to how sharp Tua is in that regard because he's so consistent with it and it's so innocuous that maybe you don't, you know, shout out from the rooftops the way, you know, you do a Justin Herbert 75-yard throw down the field or whatever it might be. But these plays are more, frequent in an NFL game in a football game and Tua is so dialed on the layups like that and I just really appreciate that about his game. So very sharp there. This particular one took Ezukama into a big run after the catch. And that was pretty much Tua's day. Just really on target, on point, and on time. I thought Mike White had some good throws as well in this practice. Skylar had a touchdown pass to River Craycraft that was really nice, a strong throw with good timing on the throw and route. So, yeah, good day from the quarterbacks. Uh, Speaking of the quarterbacks, we have some housekeeping to finish up this first segment with. Before I do that, with Coach McDaniel, who addressed Zach Sealer leaving practice yesterday, Tyreek Hill not practicing yesterday, and then Mike White and the quarterback plan for Saturday. But first, it was so good to see Brandon Jones in a – Jersey that wasn't red today at practice. He was out there in an aqua colored jersey, got some reps during seven on seven. And when he came out onto the field, it was cool to see some of the guys dap him up, like, Welcome back to the lineup, sir. Uh, it's been a long time, and we've missed you out here. Let's go ahead and go to Coach McDaniel, who talked about Tyreek, Sealer, and eventually Mike White in the playing for the quarterbacks on Saturday and really the entire team on Saturday.
1: Sealer, uh, I think if you were uh, um, really locked in and noticing, which I know you were, he he was. Um, going back and forth through throughout uh, team drills is because he was dealing with something that was nagging him. That it it didn't hurt him to continue, um, but but that was painful. Um, so it, it's not anything serious. However, for his individual experience, um, pain is not always awesome. So uh, he'll be day to day, but nothing nothing to worry about. Um, Tyreek was. Uh, you know, one of those classic coach to player um, protection things um, that had to do with where we were uh, in training camp, really what he did the day before um, he really uh, took it upon himself to dictate the terms of the energy. And um, he, he did that full going full tilt. I think he had the highest sprint yardage and um, was the fastest player that day. And so I, 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 I lo- really liked where he was at. Didn't want him to take um, a step back, uh, so that, thats you know kind of my my role in that. Um, so he'll—you uh, should see him um, today. And if if I've seen enough of him today, then uh, you'll see him stop playing football at some point, or he might play. You know the whole practice. I'm just um, connected with each individual. Um, for that very reason, so Mike white is still in the protocol. Um, and, uh, you know, whether he, um, uh, you know, I, I, am no genie. I don't have a crystal ball, but, um, you know, I, I, feel like it'd be promising for him to, uh, clear protocol, but regardless, I don't, uh, you're not going to see him on, on Saturday.
2: And I mentioned that we wanted to talk about how much the players are going to play. Coach did say the plan on Saturday was to get Tua some work and the starters more than a series, but less than a half. He's being very uh, ambivalent there for us, which I can appreciate the gamesmanship. But he said it was dependent on today's practice and trying to get guys prepared for the regular season. He did say if all things were even, Tua would play on Saturday. But like he said, they're going to revisit that after practice today on Thursday uh, but Tua has been prepared all week as though he's going to play in the game against Jacksonville. All right, let's go ahead and take a break right there and come back on the other side and get to some more practice notes. We'll also hear from Raekwon Davis, Tanner Connor, Keon Crossen. Plenty to come your way here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: With training camp officially in the books, one more preseason game and then cuts on Tuesday. And I just can't wait for it all to get here. Let's go ahead and start this segment, though, with Coach and the philosophy of rounding out the back part of the roster. He was asked, how do you value, or what do you value, I should say, on players 8 through 13 towards the back end? If you keep 40 or 45 uh, that you feel good about, you know about, what are the rest of the guys, what do they have to do to get your attention? Here's Coach on roster building at the back end of the roster. Well,
1: it's an ironic situation, to tell you the truth, because – like good problems to have are that much more complex and the better your competition and your roster depth is, you know, especially with, with the people that we've assembled and um, the coaching staff in the front office, like we don't take it lightly and the competition is real. So you have to factor in a ton of things um, that really get challenging um, and the, you know, from my experience, um, just in in the NFL, this is this is one of the most high-intense, um, competitive across-the-board situations that that I can remember. So, there. In times like that, when um, you know there there is a plethora of talent, and um, you have. Um, minimal distinction between certain guys like what Vic's alluding to um, you you really have to let the whole process play out you have to fight your your urge to to ch- try to in your mind figure out who those people are the the competition from you know however you rank them from you know really 40 to 90 it's it's a real cool representation of um, what what you want the competition to be like on your roster, however, it makes it that much more difficult. Um, so you have to factor in a, a ton of things, and you know one uh, a position's gain is another position's loss, and that balancing act makes it incredibly difficult. Um, and, and we have multiple position groups where you could go heavy at on this team so which position groups are those which individuals are those um the the only thing you can do is allow everyone to get their full opportunity um communicate um actively but but let all the information lay out um because in the game of football uh you know who knows uh what can happen today which is why it's so exciting that you guys are going to be at practice. It's the last one, um, and uh, we're hoping for it to be a good one.
2: There are going to be a lot of tough choices here for the staff and the front office personnel. Just trying to forecast it on my own, it gets pretty tough when I get to that part of the roster. Every time I draw up my own mock 53-man roster, I wind up with like 56 or 57 I really want to keep, and you can't do that, so it's a tough choice for those guys as well. Let's go ahead and get back to the practice notes. Another day, another couple of explosive runs in the running game. Savon Ahmed used his speed to win the corner on a 15-yard touchdown run. I'm loving how this team is getting the edge sealed and allowing those guys to open it up. I think it pairs very well with the passing game. And also... Run away from the trash inside, right? Like, don't run on, into 300-pound guys. Use the speed to stretch those guys out. Tire them out throughout the course of the game and force the opposing defense to run and chase and, and defend every blade of grass, both in the run and pass game. They couldn't get to Savon Ahmed today. I don't think most teams could get to Raheem Mostert and Devon Achain. And Savon also caught a touchdown on a very nice back shoulder throw from Tua, very similar to the one he threw to Tyreek Hill early in practice. Raheem Mostert also had a winding run for a big gain where he was into the third level of defense with a potential one-on-one situation and a live situation for a touchdown against a safety. I think it was Javon Holland, and I don't usually pick against Javon in those situations, so we'll call it about an 18-yard run. Speaking of the running backs, we heard Coach talk about the value of the running backs in Miami. Here's Coach on his running backs.
1: Yeah, the, um, let's, just go, let's just go simple, s- simple math. And the, it's a very physical game. There's, um, let's say on an average season with 17 games now, let's say 1200, um, you have like 1200 plays on each side of the ball. Um, and you know, how many of those plays are the running backs touching it? It's, uh, it's a, it's a valuable, um, position that you have to have depth at and, you know, I think that's one of the reasons. Like, it, think of it this way: you've gone to practices and you've seen two games, and pick a day, pick a game, and you've seen, um, you know, a, a, a running back make plays, a running back, which means there's there're different ones every time, um, which speaks to the the competition that we have in that room, and um, you know that's that's why i've always um valued the position it's a big portion of your uh of your touches and you understand that um in that process that you that you have to have a, you know a good solid group um for the really for the team and and for your offense for the whole year so um i i think it's a you know and i got my feet wet really and NFL game planning in the, in the run game. So it's near and dear to my heart.
2: Mentioned the receivers catching touchdowns chosen had a whole bunch of catches today, really this entire week, a nice little bounce back after a drop in the game on Saturday. I mentioned the Berrios and Cedric contributions Tyreek too. That's, that's a copy and paste every single day. And Tanner Connor had himself a few and intrigued by Tanner Connor because we've seen the tight end room not materialize maybe how you had hoped this training camp so far. But this is a guy that I know they were super high on a year ago, got a little bit of run, didn't really stick with the active roster, got injured, had the OTAs this offseason, came back for camp on PUP, but now he's back out there. And right away you see the long speed. He caught a a short little pass on a little drag route and took it up the sideline for a big gainer today. Let's go ahead and hear from Tanner Conner, who's a position convert, right? Former wide receiver from Kent, Washington. I used to work a job in Kent, Washington, believe it or not. Um, But he talked a little bit today about the growth from year one to year two. I like hearing this guy talk. He sounds like he really, really gets it. Just uh, a lot about moving my feet in the run game. Um, sometimes it gets stuck. You know, I'm not the biggest guy as a tight end. and I'm not the strongest. So it's going to be a heavy technique to, um, thing for me to be able to run block properly. And so it was all about just, you know, first, second step, you know, driving my feet through contact, getting stronger in the offseason. In terms of the route running game, just being patient, using my advantages against the defense and, and you know, not selling myself short,
1: just being confident in, in who I am as a player
2: remember one time I was tweeting about tight end technique and getting your feet set under you before blocking, and Joe Shad asked me one time, how do you know about tight end blocking techniques? And I said, Joe, because I study and I like my job and I want to know more about my job. So that's how I know about that. Let's go ahead and pivot to the defensive side of the football. And here, start with the final orange jersey of the season. Raekwon Davis is the guy. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach, who talked about Raekwon ahead of Thursday's practice.
1: You know, I made a big point um, in the team meeting today. Uh, and showed a showed a clip of individual from yesterday, and then you know it. it we were talking as coaches. It kind of triggered my mind. Um, a rep of the same drill back in uh, uh, last OTAs, so 2022 OTAs, and I mean the, he, It kind of represents. You know, one of the, the main focuses of, of and appreciations of being a coach in this great game and something that you really hope to see everyone go through, which was a complete and utter um, transformation in mind and body. His attention to detail, um, he's, had, he's in the best shape of his life by far, um, and you can see it with his play. And there's... Uh, you know he's he's adding different tools to his game, um, and you know he's he's always been a, a highly. I mean he's always had a lot of love from the locker room, um, so it, you can feel that as as a coach, and you can feel his teammates really appreciate where he's at, what he's done, um, to control what he can control, and and uh, you know the Miami Dolphins are better for it, so. That's a that's a big and deserving jersey.
2: I asked Raquan after practice. You know, it seems like you're a pretty regular participant in the backfield during the passing downs this training camp. What did you do this off season to fine tune your pass rush arsenal? Um just sticking with the moves I know. I mean, you know, just you know, just a couple of like two, two or three moves. You know, just get them down packed, Just try to practice on them and just work them when I'm out there in team. You know. Rush? Um, yeah, I did, a, um I did a lot of, um, pass yeah. rushing training, uh, off season, you know, just to get better. Cause I know I'm gonna need it for this year. Just, um, going into this new defensive scheme. I'm definitely gonna have to, you know, be able to pass rush and, um, keep a high motor. Also asked Raekwon about teaming up with former and now current teammate at Alabama with the Miami dolphins Deshaun hand. Here's the big fella on the big fella, man. He's so funny, man. We, we talk about old stories all the time, man, because we got so many memories, you know. Alabama, funny guy, bro. I mean, he's been doing great. I love him here, though. They had so many Alabama guys on this roster. It's crazy. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and finish up the training camp podcast. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire.
2: So the end of practice I thought was a lot of fun because they – Finished the red zone work, the three straight touchdowns, and we thought it was over. But the entire team gathered up for what they called All Eyes on Me. They gathered up to watch wide receiver DB one on ones. And the first one was Eric Ezukama on Cam Smith. And Ezukama got on top of really, really good coverage. Like Cam was right there, but Ezukama got the space. And James Blackman drops it right in the bucket. And Ezukama caught it right in front of us in the media contingency and let out a pretty good battle cry as he was fired up about catching that long ball down the field. There were a few more, but my favorite one was the last one when they had Cater Kohu go to wide receiver and run against Daywood Davis at cornerback Cater got him and stacked him and was open, but the ball was just out of reach. Cater had a super nice release on that route and it tracks because of how good his feet are. And I saw him downstairs after the fact. And you know, the, the, David Davis was giving the, the incomplete signal pretty adamantly, and the offense was dapping him up. But I saw Cater, and I said, hey, I thought you stacked him. And he goes, thank you. I did. Thank you, basically. Like, yeah, he knew what's up. Let's go ahead and hear from Andrew Van Ginkle and Keon Crossen, who both talked about how much fun it was to get the all eyes on me portion of practice. And you'll hear Keon Cross and discuss just how Mike McDaniel understands it and gets it for how to get his team fired up in a situation like that.
1: Just a little friendly competition. Um, just, he called it an all eyes on me. So, you know, everybody's watching and when when to see guys compete and, um, you know, show what they can do. Uh, just a little fun, man. It's a little fun, um, for the team. Obviously it's been a tough camp uh, for the guys and, uh, like I say, it's been pretty hot. Uh, guys been busting their tail, and it's nothing like a little fun at the end just to get the rookies going. It's always good to uh, just see them kind of go at it, go at it, and uh, compete. And obviously, Miami Dolphins way is we compete and we we do what we need to do um, and go hard, man. So that's what it's all about. The stakes was pretty much uh, you know rookie on rookie, uh, first year player, and uh, you know just compete, man. It's just to see the guys compete. Obviously, first time experience in the NFL. Um, you don't want it to think of you don't want the guys to think about 53 cuts and all that good stuff. The best thing to do is do what we do best and have them compete. So, uh, that was a good job by Mike. He's obviously a brilliant um, Harvard guy.
2: Keon gave me a wink there at the end when he said Harvard, and I said, isn't it Yale? And he said, yeah, that's why I winked. I said, I want to put it on audio so that people know that you you know he went to Yale, not Harvard. So uh, Keon's one of the best dudes out here, man. Love that guy. Back to the notes. Uh, Kwan had another really good practice. He's been a force all camp long. The pass rush, more playmaking. Talked about it yesterday. Josiah Bronson had some more wins today. He's had a pretty good week in putting his final stamp on a training camp that he's trying to you know make the club on. David Long flew in for a couple more run stuffs. At one point, Ben Solak, you know. I watched practice with him again today. Uh, just one point, kind of laughed and said, that guy, it's, it's, he, he just said, that dude, man, like it's pretty unreal the way he's come in here and made an impact. Um, I mentioned earlier there was a three-sack succession when Skylar Thompson checked into the lineup. It was Malik Reed twice. Keep an eye on him Saturday. I think he's, he's about ready to have a breakout game here. I know it's exhibition, but he's been really percolating and getting close the last couple of weeks. I think he's on the, on the periphery of a big game. The other was Andrew Van Ginkle on the three sacks. I asked Gink about the benefits of playing all over the front seven and how playing off ball has helped you at edge, and conversely, your experience at edge helps you at off ball.
1: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, the more you can do, you know, you get a bigger picture of everything, so you know how... You know, being on the edge, I know how the defensive end is going to fit or the outside linebacker is. So I'm just being able to play off that and uh, just gives you a better anticipation for the game and um, allows you to play faster.
2: I thought Jerome Baker was aces today. His speed was showing. He had some plays in coverage as well. Eli Apple had a couple of plays, including a measured up shot on Tyreek on a short throw where he could have laid the lumber. But obviously we don't do that to our own guys. He's playing faster and faster every day. What else we got here? Deshaun Elliott had a very impressive breakup on a seam shot to Durham Smythe off the hand of quarterback Tua tunga Bailoa. And then Javon had a good pass breakup as well on fellow tight end Julian Hill, who made a handful of catches today, and looks like he's getting some pretty serious run and might have a chance to make this team. Uh, Javon was a guy that Solak could not stop raving about. We pinpointed him on a few reps and just watched him together where he's constantly moving a few steps sooner than you'd expect based upon the the play, the coverage, the rules, you know, the four, six, and eight that we cover here uh, in this Fangio defense. So he's really seems to be getting it and getting his feet wet in the system. And that's the podcast. That's training camp. So there you guys go. I hope you enjoyed the entire uh, month of shows here tomorrow. OJ McDuffie and I will get you ready for the preseason finale in Jacksonville. I'll give you my 10 camp takeaways. And the next time you hear from me, will be Sunday, recapping the Jaguars game. We've got some guests lined up for next week as well. So the season is just getting started. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Carolina and Cameron, Daddy.